reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone. All alone in a time of Welcome to Talking Giants presented by Seeky. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we got ourselves a mailbag pod following the loss to the Saints. But you know what that means, Justin? Mailback pods are always better after a loss because we get to figure out what people overreacted to and the stuff that went wrong that we're mad about, we can react to that. And I think there's going to be a lot more of that than there usually is in the mailbag pod. Uh, Justin, how are you doing? I don't know about you. I like mailbag pods a lot better after we win, but we're here. We're doing it. Oh, so do I, but they are better (laughs) after losses. Yes, yes, yes. The episode quality is better. I'm good, Bobby Skinner. I'm a little... I'm a little turd today. I'm waiting to get to that holiday week. Uh, everybody around the JM office is like, oh, just just waiting to take off and waiting to do this and waiting to do that. Not worth this time of year. They don't want to work. I don't know about you. Uh, we're working. We're working over here. Football's not stopping. Playoffs are approaching. Check out JM football for a lot of the other fun stuff where we actually talk about like good football teams. Um, we, we do some fun trivia stuff. So working on there, working with our Giants. We're going to be working on Christmas Day. Um, and for you, it'll just be a Monday. How are you? I'm good. I'm ready to do this mailbag. I got a lot of I got a lot of fire behind these questions. I even have fire in like one of the ad questions too, because I oh. got really bothered at, at some slander. You know what? It's funny how it goes, right? First, you're the hater. You know when something's new. Yep. And then people come down the earth, and there's overly negative reaction and then you're the defender so like i was the tommy devito hater and now i'm getting ready to be the tommy devito defender oh. on this episode so how about that how the turns tables take right, that Justin. pizza people oh shit speaking of pizza people forgot to announce you know what we'll do it on friday because we spent way too much time on this intro take it away steve mail time Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. We'll oh, do Patreon on Friday. Wes Locke. Speaking of Patreon members, Wes Locke at Wessie Westicles. He's in the chat right now. That's one of the perks of being a Patreon member. Patreon.com slash Why is the run game so bad? Wes wants to know. How would you divide up blame? Schemes, situational play calling, blocking, Saquon. So why is the run game so bad, Bobby Skinner? Great question, and I basically did the offensive line report on this because this was their they just didn't get anything in on the run game. Uh, so it's a combination of, of a few things, right? And I think Saquon Barkley being the running back is the least of the issues, and that is, you know, that gets turned into a Saquon defense, and that's also the position of the people who aren't wanting to bring back Saquon. Like, hey, 
he look how great this player is, and he's not adding uh, much as a runner because of you know surrounding events. It's do you the remember most reliant- my line from a couple of years from last year that I said? Yeah, I want a uh, I want to build around a running game and not a running back. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so here here's simply the teams are stacking the box. That's one right. That's the most bland thing, but I have numbers behind that. Teams are playing aggressive. And sometimes the light boxes are tricks to get you to run the ball and the way they play. The offensive line is horrible at zone blocking combos uh, or even their single blocks. And they only have one blocking tight end, which we will touch in on on more in a later question. But I looked at it. I excluded the Jets game because they basically played like a wildcat offense that game. I look at stacked box amount of runs with the quarterbacks, excluding that Jets game. With Daniel Jones... Uh, Saquon Barkley was only running into a stack box 42% of the time. That's really good, right? They were picking and choosing their battles. Even though the offense sucked at that time, that is what the reality was. Uh, that was Saquon's best efficiency, four and a half yards per carry. With Tyrod Taylor, they're running into a stack box 60% of the time, which is pretty high, 3.8 yards per carry. With Tommy DeVito, they are running into a stack box 69% of the time. Now, good on Saquon. He's still averaging 4.3 yards per carry. But the issue with this is that it's kind of he's still explosive, like uh, producing some explosive runs a couple times a game, and that is obviously outweighing the down and down out runs, where it's just not a down and down out efficient run game. So having into running, having to run into stack boxes is just daunting for a running back, and they're just going, and they're just not just stack boxes; they are going heavy. They are selling out downhill at you, and whenever you do get a light box, Justin, teams are throwing these run blitzes at you, right? Like the Patriots and even the Saints, you know, the few times. It's like, oh, look, a light box, run against it. Sorry, we're going to slant our ends in. Our safety is crashing hard to the outside. And it's like basically trying to trick you into the run and leading to some of the more negative runs that they're having. And here's where I think it's the biggest issue. They just flat out suck blocking combo blocks and single blocks in the zone game. If you watch the offensive line report, the first one is the worst, where there's just no chemistry between these guys. JMS and Bredesen are working a combo to linebacker, and they both leave the block at the same time to go to the linebacker, and then Saquon Barkley is being tackled. So they don't work those well. They don't know when to move off of them. Uh, they're not being able to get over to them because of the way defensive linemen are playing them and you know, no chemistry. They're not the most athletic interior offensive line group in the world. Um, single blocks, guys aren't getting any movement, especially with Andrew Thomas dealing with the knee injury. Pew gets like stonewalled. Uh, you know, JMS works has some good movement in his blocks, but outside of that, no one's really getting any movement on their single blocks, and they're not getting really any movement on their doubles anyways unless JMS is involved. Or, you know, Thomas is throwing his hip through somebody. Remember when so, uh, people in training camp were yelling at us that, um, those hey the the just just trust stable and trust everybody that the musical chairs that they're playing at center and interior offensive line doesn't matter, and now it's the month of December and they're still showing that they have no chemistry. Be interesting to see if they put Glowinski in this week over Pew and then move Bredesen back to left guard, which is would be quite funny at this point. Um, so and here's the other thing where I blame the coaching right into into all of this right because it is it is a little bit of Jimmy Joe's more so than X's and O's. But here's the thing. They look like they just don't practice it. And they have and again, like they have horrible chemistry with each other. And also, um, you know, this has been talked about a little more. I don't know why they're so dead set on running more zone than gap. 
Right? Like I under teams that like I understand that like teams are playing spilling into runs when you run gap runs and stuff, but like you ran pin and pull so well last year, and they don't run that nowhere near as often. They run it, but it's very it's not nowhere near as often. Um, and they're not being able to get into like their power and counter. Like those are are rarenesses. They're trying to become like a zone running team. And they just don't have the guys up front to block them, and those guys are blocking with bad chemistry. Even even so, so it's just. It's been a mix of me, bad, bad scheme with it, uh, bad personnel up front, bad chemistry, and because of the quarterback play, the current quarterback, teams are just playing the run heavily, which I think does have more of a factor than people want to give it credit. Like teams are, you know, if if we had a quarterback who was being respected a little more and a passing and respected a little more, it would it would help the running game a lot more. Yeah, and I mean, what really made me kind of mad <laughs> this past week is seeing pro John Feliciano tweets come out and pro John Feliciano film highest graded. Now I know PFF grades, blah, blah, blah. Highest graded PFF offensive lineman from week 15 this past week. I saw a 49ers film person say, Hey, look, look at this 72 yard run. The Christian McCaffrey had last week against the Seattle Seahawks. John Feliciano helped open up that hole. Um, and then there was another, then there was another account that talked about, uh, zero sacks given up in all, in his 164 pass blocking opportunities and 338 snaps, zero sacks given up, 10 pressures allowed, one quarterback hit 97 pass blocking efficiency and 87.7 run blocking grade, according to PFF. Um, and this is a C, uh, a 49ers content creator with like 30,000 followers saying that John Feliciano looking like it's an offseason priority to bring him back. Meanwhile, Feliciano was on the Giants last year and we were like, yeah, center's a position that the Giants kind of need to upgrade, um, even though Feliciano finished the season, uh, you know, okay. He was okay for the majority of the year, but we were still saying that center is a position that they need to, that they need to upgrade. So that's frustrating. You know, we talked about Tyree Phillips leaving for a month, looking better. And, you know, when in training camp, he looked like a disaster. It's the development piece that's really frustrating. And like you said, it's the month of December. And this offensive line is still showing that they have no chemistry and they're making zero progress as, as a run blocking unit. It's very frustrating. Yeah. And, and now that you mentioned it's the month of December, there's three weeks left in the season. I am turning the heat up on this a little more where I don't like talking about position coaches too often. Right. It's, it's necessary like, that Bobby Johnson. But, needs uh, to be but fired. yeah. There is no evidence that he's a good offensive line coach, and there's a lot more. There's a lot of evidence that would uh, that would show that he's not a, an advantage at that position, right? There's nobody in the league who's talking about Bobby Johnson as a good offensive line coach. It was the one position coach when we signed, when we talked to people who covered that team that he was brought from, who were just like, okay, fine, They're like we're fine without him. Look at Thanks what's happened with him. the Bills, the Bills running game since. Uh, you know they just don't have an identity. They're they're not good with their identity, and we've seen the you know the stunt shit be struggle. We've seen JMS like JMS hasn't had a bad rookie year, in my opinion, but he hasn't like like he hasn't added much to his bag with his hand usage. Like he looks like no. the exact same player that was at Minnesota. Um, I, I, there there needs to be a new offensive line coach next year. That needs to be like priority number one for Brian Dable, uh, outside of the coordinator situation, whatever happens with that. That you can you cannot you cannot go into year three with this guy as your offensive line coach. You have to you have to look at like 
the way you looked at certain positions and like, hey, we got to go out and upgrade this. The way you looked at linebacker last year, you got to look at the offensive line coach that way. You got to you got to look to upgrade that with urgency. Yeah. And how Saquon Barkley ties into this, I know Dave Gettleman did this because Dave Gettleman literally said this, how Saquon Barkley makes your offensive line better. Saquon Barkley makes the quarterback player better. Saquon Barkley makes the wide receivers better. I think we have enough of a sample size to say that isn't true. I think Saquon, I think in an offense that is functioning, I think Saquon Barkley can help make other people look better. But when everything else is a disaster, Saquon Barkley will also be a disaster. Um, I don't, and there's no evidence. He helps the quarterback, but he doesn't help the offensive line. Right, right. Um, he helps the. He's a weapon, right? He creates he creates explosive plays just as right. much as any back in the NFL, and he is someone who can you can put into stack boxes consistently. He'll at least come out with over four yards per carry, but um, so I guess in a sense, but it's not enough for them to have. They don't have a. They have a bad rushing offense. Right. And, uh, they are my, a bad rushing offense is, with a really good running back. Yeah, my whole point is like Dave Dave Gettleman. I think used Saquon Barkley as a crutch just to be like, oh, maybe maybe we don't maybe I don't need to invest in an old lineman here because Saquon Barkley does make every everybody else around him better. There's no evidence to suggest that Joe Shane has done that. But shame on him if that if that was if that is a thought in his head of oh Saquon Barkley can make everybody look better because he's this running back that can do this, do that, do everything, which Saquon Barkley is not 2018, 2019 anymore. Um, you know, I I do think I do think this rushing offense is better if Saquon Barkley is breaking tackles at the same rate that he was doing in 2018 and 2019. And he's not. And that's not the running back that Saquon Barkley is anymore either. So um, I do put like I would say like at least eighty percent O line and lack of development on the O line versus like twenty percent Saquon Barkley. Like the I think he's the least of the issues of the 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 rushing. No, I, I won't even right put now. it at twenty percent. It's not Saquon Barkley's fault really at all. Obviously, you can go through some film. Okay, like, hey, here's a play where he could have you know done something better. But it's not Saquon Barkley's fault at all. At for it's for 90% you know of it but there's just you know you can't have the expectation like he's still producing explosive runs the issue is that the explosive runs are the only part of the offense now there used to be a question there used to be issues with Saquon right where he's like he's looking too much for the explosive he's creating too many negatives because of the way he plays back he doesn't do that anymore he actually did change last year as a back the way that he plays he doesn't do he doesn't do that anymore obviously could he maybe become more of like just run behind your pads but like that's that's not the way Saquon should uh, be playing right he should be looking for explosives without you know uh, creating negatives and he doesn't create negatives anymore the offensive line does right but don't uh, the whole don't let Saquon Barkley be the reason why oh it's like oh we're not going to upgrade the offensive line here or you know Saquon Barkley can overcome not having the best offense it's it's clear at this point he can't, and a lot of running backs in the NFL, they, they can't do that either. I don't think that's how the NFL works. So, All right, next question. Next question. Bidibu is coming from Jack Salazzoni at Jack Salazzoni. Do you guys think that Tyrod Taylor could get the start over Tommy DeVito after his struggles versus the Saints this past week? Um, this is an easy no for me. Uh, the Giants have made their bed with Tommy DeVito. They're lying in it. And I also don't think, that, and I don't even say that with like a negative connotation, like the Saints Tommy DeVito was not really the reason why the Giants lost that Saints game. Well, yeah, this is this is really the only DeVito question we got, so I just want to, I don't even want to spend a lot of time on it. 
but I did want to talk about DeVito's game against the Saints. I thought DeVito had good command of the QB position in the Saints game, despite having so like his bad plays to me were not decision making. They were inaccurate throws, right? You had the, you know, two inaccurate throws to Slayton. Uh, and he, the one really missed decision, he had Waller for a chunk play. He ended up turning that into a Sa- the Saquon catch. He had Waller for a pretty easy chunk play. But what I liked about that is they came and ran that later in the game, third and 18. That was the Waller first down, that 29-yarder that Waller had. So they came back to that. But like he ran some more normal concepts. He operated them halfway decent. Uh, again, learned from his big miss reading the game. I thought this was the game where the sacks were more offensive line than they were uh than they were Tommy DeVito, right? Where the other games the sacks are like to me it's like these are almost all Tommy DeVito and the and the way that he's playing quarterback. But like he is growing as a quarterback. He is getting better week to week. Like I would put this as his second best game after the Packers. And decision making it was basically the same as the Packers, but he didn't have the wow plays that he had versus Green Bay. Um so like to me this was his second best game of just playing quarterback. Um, so he's he's growing as a quarterback, and he should continue growing. And you know, we'll see. The Eagles is going to be tough. It can be a mess, but it's a mess for a lot of quarterbacks that would be in this situation too. It's not going to be as much of a, it shouldn't be as much of a mess as previous years, though. I mean, we'll we'll talk about that with the Eagles preview. But uh, I just I, think I, that pass rush could get right versus this Giants offensive line. Yeah, I did enjoy seeing your tweet, your tweets, and then people reacting to said tweets about. The Saints game was the second best quarterbacking game from from Tommy DeVito, and people are like Washington's not. Blah, blah, blah. I, I look at Washington and I'm like, that's this is bad quarterback play, you know. And that's why we weren't as much out maybe on the DeVito hype as others earlier. It's like I, I view that Commanders game as bad quarterback play. Like I don't care if there was some expand, explosives in ex- there. Expand on that because I mean he was hitting wide open guys, so it, maybe it's not great quarterback well, he, play, but you're saying bad quarterback play. Yeah, I mean, he had the nice throw to, to Saquon, right? That was a nice throw. Outside of that, I didn't, there was so many bad quarterback plays on that game, right? Taking the sacks, you know, the fourth down, having three guys, one, two, three of the oh, progression right. wide open. There was a, there was a lot of bad, like horrible quarterback play in that game, but he had some explosives off of the Saquon throw was nice, right? But like the Slayton touchdown, like I don't give him it, I, like I don't give any quarterback credit for, uh, you know, scoring on that play. Did the defense also force seventeen thousand turnovers too? That helped. Yeah, yeah, I can't. Yeah, yeah. So that game, um, that t- that game to me was bad quarterback play. Um, I thought the Patriots game he actually played a, a little bit better, but not good. And then the Packers game was his best game. Cool, cool. They, I mean, after that, I'll, I'll tell you where I'm at with Tommy. Like since we lost that Saints game now. I'm kind of just like, yeah, all right, Tommy DeVito's here. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, and, I mean, once, that's my mindset. <laughs> once you started him, like you'd look weak and indecisive if you went back to Tyrod after no, that game. No, they're like not. if it got really, really ugly, you can go back because it might be the right decision. But to me, it just if you if you go back to Tyrod Taylor, even after even if it's a horrible game versus the Eagles, I think that makes you look weak and indecisive as a head yeah. coach. Yeah, but now because that you're not starting him because he's the better option because he's not. Yeah, but now that the season's virtually over and kind of seeing, all right, well, Tommy, the, the Saints were actually like not a legit defense, but they're a top sixteen, top half of the league defense, and then seeing not, and again, not Tommy DeVito, but just seeing this Giants offense operate against it, I'm just like, all right, 
I'm just kind of I'm kind of like coasting these three these final three weeks. I'm kind of coasting for the rest of the way here. And Tommy DeVito is like the biggest coast player. I'm invested in some players, but Tommy DeVito is not really a player that I'm like invested through these last three weeks. Um, um, me either. Did you know you didn't comment? Uh, I'm adding more to the background. Like that's a staple of the Talking Giants pod. It's nice. Yes, I really I really enjoy it. You know, had to get that in there. What should I do with the banner from the old office? What? Oh, oh, oh! I was like the I'm like, what did you take from the Bronx office? Um, <laughs> up here. Like, should I bring? Should I have that sent up north? Like, is there anywhere where we can use that shit? Do you want to burn it? No, that dude. That's you, you know, that's things. like a twenty years from now. Like, you go back and like, yeah, I pull this out. Like, I was watching a Wood Brothers uh, museum tour. Yeah. And it's like they saved everything. And I'm like, I'm getting like, yeah, you got to save everything. You got to have memories. Um, I, I know a place that we could possibly put it up in New York. Um, I was at the Rockefeller tree today. I, I was on Jam Live and I was and I was talking to people and I was talking about how we really like burning things. And I thought about burning the tree. You should have done it. I actually would have supported that. Yeah, I know. Probably would have gotten in trouble. For a good re- for a good cause, though. All right, good next cause. question. The Funk at Junior underscore Giants. Did you hear about Tommy DeVito and his agent upcharging Connie Connie the pizzeria from 10k to 20k for a visit just because he won the Packers game last week? What do you what do you think his price would be to read an ad? So I'm gonna read an ad in a second, but I actually do want to talk about this because I got really bothered about the conversation around this. Um, and he ended up going to that place for free. He did. His agent is banned from the from the place, though. They he banned is? his agent. Yeah. Where'd you hear that? Um, it was written by our friend Scott. I want to get his last name. I want to get his last name. I want to get his last name because he's actually like a reporter. Scott. Uh, no, excuse me, Jackson Thompson. Oh, Jackson of, reported that. I didn't know yes, that. Yes. Uh, he. Uh, it was from the messenger.com. Tommy DeVito did unpaid work at NJ Pizzeria after his event was canceled for an increase in booking fee. Um, the owner, Nico, told me a new event will be scheduled for DeVito in January and his agent is banned from the venue. Trouble in paradise. So here's the one thing. If they did agree to a price, you you don't raise it, right? But the idea that, like, oh, I can't like. These these places are not losing money, right? Like the 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 twenty thousand dollar fee, like the one that he did uh, at the burrito place to, on Tuesday, Justin. Yeah, they made money off of that. And you're saying, well, oh yeah, Bobby advertising is that worth? No, it's not. They get the money from the autographs. So the tickets that they sell to get the autographs, they, also they sell get that food. They also charge for food and the food. So they end up making at minimum like. Three to five grand, probably closer to ten grand, when you think about food and maybe getting some returning customers. You know, even even more so. So they they like the idea that these pizza places or whatever are losing money to you know to have you know local Tommy DeVito come out is not true. And like he doesn't have a big contract. Like he should be taking advantage of that. Now again, where they went wrong is the agent. You know. And again, the agent didn't do this on, like, Tommy DeVito didn't say this. Like, the agent realized he could start getting more and, you know, and then upcharge that place. Now, I also don't love them sharing messages and stuff. And you didn't hear the whole, you didn't get the whole story from it. But at the end of the day, I, I think they were wrong on that. But I was so bothered at people, like, slandering DeVito for 
why is he doing this? Like, why isn't he? Of course he's doing this. He should be doing this. And again, these places are, the places that he's doing are, are benefiting from it. And if, listen, if you don't think that, like, you know, a uh, guy should pay for, uh, you know, shouldn't sell autographs, then you should hate the whole Super Bowl 42 and 46 team because they do autograph signings all the time for money. Uh, oh, I have helmets. So. I have helmets of those guys. I love it. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you, you hate Rich Soybert, too. No, I don't. Tell me, tell me that you hate Rich Soybert too, and he's a scumbag. Nope, um, I refuse. Do Do you like Bubba Coos? You ever You ever been? I've actually ordered them on DoorDash. I honestly don't. Oh, it's, you don't like them? No. You gotta you you gotta get it when because when you order on DoorDash and then it gets soggy and then it gets a little, you gotta get it relatively fresh. It's good, but I also know that you know you're you're a little bit more well versed in. In Spanish food, and, and I'm not, but I, I love Bubba. Cruz. Yeah, that's probably what it is. I, I, it, to me, it was, it was bland. I'll vouch for it. If you're giving them free ads right now, yeah, I am. Um, well, how about you read an I ad that we're actually gonna make money the, for? Yeah, let's let's read an ad about something that's that's a lot tastier than Bubba Coos. NFL fans, it's time to unwrap nonstop football action. This uh, month, throw down on big matches with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just 5 bucks on the NFL and score 150 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook now with code WORLD. New customers can bet $5 on NFL action to score 150 in instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code WORLD. The crown is yours. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Why are we spelling out uh, numbers? Just put the numbers. 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boothill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age... Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsibility gain resources. Yeah, let, I got a, a plan. Uh, don't don't spell out. Don't make us, you know, don't spell out uh, a phone number. All right, next question. Next question is coming from. You'll be glad you did. Gridiron Guru at Gridiron Guru. Did the film confirm your gripes with Wink Martindale versus the Saints? Oh boy, did it! Did it? I, I, I'm like, if you know, if if you know, if Brian Dable wanted to like do some PR to get ahead of him moving off a of Wink at the end of the season, he he would have given me the talking points I'm about to fire off. I was disgusted with Wink Martindale's defense versus the Saints. This game pissed me off so badly for Wink Martindale. More mad when I watched the film. He lived in zone coverages all day with four-man pass rush, and they took you apart. They had a Dory Jackson playing eight yards off and outside leverage. Like, yeah, no shit you got beat on some inbreakers, right? And when you did actually blitz, it worked to perfection, essentially. We talked about that on the Monday pod. I tweeted about it. Like, like that was anytime, like... You blitz at work. Why? Because their offensive line is bad at picking up blitzes. And Derek Carr is bad against pressure. And they don't have a receiver that makes you pay. Their offensive line was fooled by the simplest of blitzes. Their running backs block like bitches. And you never tried them more than a couple times. I mean, 
Justin, they were running fucking soft cover two on third and five with the shallow cross first down. Ended up being, uh, you know, a touchdown drive. When it's like, what, what is going on? This is not the Wink Martindale that I know. Talking about we try to dictate terms. They didn't dictate shit in this game. After two years of covering Wink Martindale. There's been times when they've given up 40 points and I don't have big gripes with Wink Martindale. Obviously, some things can change, but I don't have big gripes. This is the first game where I come away and I'm like, this was a horrible call game. This was a horrible game plan for the opponent that you have. It felt like he was inspired by Joe Barry or the Packers with this game plan. I mean, everybody just off, soft coverages, four-man rushes. Your four-man rushes didn't do anything. Uh, and you just, you let them, you let Derek Carr pick you apart and have his best game by us as a Saint by far. Wayne Martindale will have some of these games every once in a while where we're like, why, why weren't you aggressive here? I feel okay, like this happens so, once every once every few weeks. I feel like this happens. But you know what? The, when when those happen, when you're playing Justin Jefferson, fair or uh, T.J. Hawkins on the team, Chris Olave, like, Chris hey, Olave even, wasn't even on the field. <laughs> yeah, even if I did, like, it, there's been times where, like the playoff game, I disagreed with it, right? I mean, like they look, look what they did to you. This is not your type of defense. You need to change the way you're playing. But you understood why they did it because you're playing a great passing offense with Justin Jefferson and T.J. Hawkinson, um, and and uh, and uh, you know and crew. They had A.T. Perry and Rashid Shahid and Kirkwood essentially starting for them. Lynn, ba- you know, Lynn Bowden. Now Lynn Bowden did beat Banks a couple times in man coverage, um, or not? No, Lynn Bowden only beat him once. Rashid Shahid got him a couple times in man. Uh, but like that, this is the defense that you were afraid for. And again, the the proof is in the pudding. Anytime that they did run some real blitzes, they worked to perfection. Like they, as essentially every single time, your defense ended up doing what it did. The 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 three times that it did, two were penalties that should not have been committed by Adore and Pinnock. Right? That's a player issue. And then the other one was uh, what? Well, oh, the other one was one where they ended up rushing four anyways. They just switched. Uh, they had Ward drop back and Simmons blitz. So even then, that one doesn't even count to me. So, yeah, this I, I was I was livid, livid with the game called by Wink Martin. It's, it was his worst called game as a New York Giant. I don't care if you look at the box score and say they only gave it twenty four points, didn't give up a ton of yards. They could have dominated this game. They could have demolished him. We should we could have been sitting here talking about man. Defense balls out again. This is this going to hurt the locker room because the defense continues to ball out and the offense uh, blew this game only six points. And but you know what? I think they would have won if Wink Martindale called a game like he did versus the Jets or he did versus the Commanders. I really do because he would have created some turnovers, some fumbles, or something, and we got a field goal or you know the drives at the end of the game would have mattered a little more. They blew this game defensively. My fan conspiracy brain goes to the the conflict that's between Brian Dable and Wink Martindale right now. And this is what sucks about not ex- about exactly not knowing what it's about and if it is if it is a schematic thing. I am going to guess that Brian Dable is not thrilled with Wink Martindale's heavy blitz, aggressive, aggressive, aggressive tendencies because that's not what most of the NFL is. It's like Brian Flores uh, does that Brian Flores showing cover zero looks on third and 20, whatever against the Bengals and Jake Browning is wild. Um, <laughs> kind of bit him in the ass a little bit, neither here nor there. If that's where the gripes are schematically, right? This is where my fan conspiracy brain goes. Fan conspiracy brain goes to 
Not that Brian Dable coerced or decided what this defensive game plan was going to be against for against the Saints for Wink Martindale. Because at the end of the day, this is Wink Martindale's defense, and Wink Martindale is responsible for this defense and how bad it looked against the Saints. But my fan conspiracy brain goes to th- that influence if Dable does not like the aggression, if he doesn't like the overaggression, if he doesn't like the blitzing. That may have played an impact in this game where... All logic points to why wouldn't you blitz Derek Carr? Because why would Wink Martindale snap snap his fingers and change what's worked and change what's been happening the last month where this defense has done nothing but force turnovers and allow this Giants team and put this Giants team in position to win games? Why yeah, snap they, your and finger and change a little it? More, they've played a little more zone over the last month, but it wasn't like this game where you had your guys playing off and soft, right? It was just, it was soft. Like, and now I'm like, I, I posted a screenshot. I'm like, am I supposed to be mad that Adore Jackson gave up a deep slant on this play where he's eight yards off and the receiver's inside the numbers and he's lined up outside the numbers? Am I, am I supposed to be mad about this this play? Because I'm not. There was even a catch earlier in the game against Shahid where, ba- where I, was, I, I wanted to get mad at Deontay Banks. Oh, maybe he lost against the release. And it's like, no, Shahid just runs like... A slant? Was or, that the slant? It was a slant or, or a the mini, deep curl. Uh, it was a, no. It was a slant. It was a slant or a mini. Yeah, post. he got beaten. That was actually man coverage. He got beaten. Slant. But I mean, that he was, was playing. He was play. playing with so much cushion, though. That's that's the thing. I think we might be thinking about a different play because Banks got beat really bad in press man. I think it might have been that. Uh, you know, it was you know it was a deep curl. Okay, I think you're thinking of. But that I mean, that play- was the play. All right, you're pl- but you're playing so far off, so it was okay. Not, agreed, not a agreed. Slant. Like, how could I be mad at Banks for giving up that play? Yeah. How could how could I be mad at Banks for giving up that deep curl when you got him playing this far off? <sighs> yeah, so I was, I was, um, I was very frustrated. All right, next question. Next question. Yeah, but I hope it doesn't. You know, going back to my stupid fan conspiracy, I hope it's not. I hope this isn't Brian Dable's vision for a defense. I legitimately, I kind of hope it was just Wink Martindale having a bad game. Um, Vanny, this is actually, I think the most important question of this mailbag, because it reflects the most about the 2024 giants and what could actually be next year. Uh, Vanny at Vanny fresh seven, seven, seven Darren Waller was supposed to be our biggest passing threat coming into the 2023 seasons. But for many reasons, he's not, I don't even know if that sentence true. Do you guys think he'll be a giant in 2024? So I want to get to the Giants in 2024 in a second, but I agree with you. It's not true. I, I and I don't I don't want to I'm sorry, Vanny, but I'm gonna put your question on blast a little bit. For many reasons he's not, Justin. He's missed five games and he's second in the NFL, in the team in receiving yards by eighty-eight yards. By eighty-eight yards. He has the most yards per route run. He has the most yards per game by eleven yards. He has the most catches per game with seventy percent catch rate, while again being six targets away from first on the team while missing five games. Uh, he was leading tight ends and receiving yards when he got hurt on the number thirty-two passing on the number thirty-two passing offense in the NFL. He was leading tight ends and receiving yards. He had fifty yards minimum left on the field by bad Devito play on Sunday. Um, we'll we'll talk about Giant in two thousand twenty-four. Uh, in a second, but when he's out there, he is their number one receiving threat. And I think it's by a, a pretty wide margin too. Like it's, it's simply that he's missed games. Yeah. Like the uh, Waller has been very good for the Giants as a receiver. Yeah. His, his season is very interesting because 
I can clearly and confidently say that it's better than 2022, but in the, the way that he was used in 2022 and also he wasn't that healthy in 2022, it, it, it was kind of weird. Um, here's the biggest plus for Darren Waller is his success rate and a successful reception gains at least 40% of the yards required on first down, 60% of the yards required on second down and a hundred percent on third or fourth down. Um, his success rate this year is 50 is 54.4%. 2022 was 46 and a half. 2020, uh, uh, excuse me, 2022 was 46 and a half. 2021 was 49 and a half. And then 2020 was 62.8. So in terms of gaining first downs or at least gaining the necessary yards to get to a first down, this has been his best year since 2020. Uh, catch rate, it's the highest since 2020, but you have to take into account his yards per reception is down by like four yards than what it was the previous year and then like a whole two yards from what it was in 2021. So his average up to target really, like he's he has not been targeted deep, deep down the field like we kind of envisioned uh, for him. Uh, like we were doing this this training camp. But I, I still do agree that Darren Waller has been a plus for the Giants this year, and I think if you have better quarterback play, if you have better offensive line play, I really do think Darren Waller would be better, and I do think this coaching staff did, have, did actually have a good plan to get him involved, just so much went wrong this year. Yeah, and you mentioned like not the the low uh, average, depth of, average depth of target. I think that has to do with offensive line and quarterback play. And here, I want to ask you this. Now, we're not in the playoffs, so you think of it, and he missed five games in the middle of the season. Daniel Jones has been injured, right? You're like, man, he missed. But if he finish, if he plays these next three games, he will finish the game the season with five games missed. Would you have signed up for that? Yes. With the production that he's putting up? Right? Because then we talk about, like, hey, he could miss. If he, if we, it was just like, hey, can we survive the four, you know, games or so that he very much like? Do you remember I said that? I, I said that. Like the, I, I, I kind of said like when we traded for him, I'm like I, I'm expecting him to miss games, but 12 games of Darren Waller is better than anything that we've kind of had the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think the preparation for him to not be there was bad um, on their end. But yeah, so uh, so to me, he ha- he has to be a giant in 2024. Like you, you'd save seven million dollars in cap, but he's only seven million dollars in dead or it'd still be seven million in dead cap. Yeah, I, I, to me, that seven million dollars in savings is not worth losing Waller. Now again, it's not gonna like there's gonna be headaches because he's gonna miss games. He's going to miss games, but I don't think that seven million dollars in savings is worth the bet of like, hey, let's we're gonna be a year early. Like I, What's I think that's. Hit? 14 mil. That's so you, again, you would save 17 mil. Sorry, you would save seven million dollars if you cut him. Uh, and and you would have seven million dollars of dead cap. I'm not looking at Darren Waller as any now. Maybe you could trade him, right? Eh. Maybe, maybe if, if you want to do that, but I don't know if the return would be good on that a year later after him going for a late third. No, no, I, I want Darren Waller to stay. And you know, hey, if, if next year is his final year, then. That's odds are that's what it's going to be. He's already in his 30s, but I, I have looked at Darren Waller this year as an advantage for for the Giants, and I, I and I know a lot of people were even criticizing him on those checkdowns and oh, it just didn't look like he had a lot of juice. I, what do you what do you want him to do? He's also he, he's not Tyreek. Did he look? Did he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's six foot six. Like I don't. Yeah. He he got open on he got open like. He got he get there was fifty yards left on the field by Tommy DeVito in this game, missing him on a corner route, and then not throwing it to him on that dig route early in the game where he 
Saquon had the spectacular catch. Um, the Washington game was so yeah, the, was the true game. The home Washington game was the true game where it's like, all right, well, this is this is what Darren Waller can be for this team, and I and I still think that that guy is in there, and I think he's out there right now. It's just it's yeah for a lot of reasons it's I not do, happening. But I do think you you do run the risk when you bring him back of like, hey, there's there's a good chance he can miss twelve games and look a year older and and worse, right? Like I hate to bring up this reference because but. Remember talking about Kenny Galda in 2021? We're like, this is still a good receiver. He's yeah. putting up good uh, uh, advanced stats. His production is, is not bad. It's just not getting the touchdowns. He's got his highest career target catch rate. Like, there was he Kenny Galda was not a bad receiver in 2021. He wasn't living up to the That's contract, a great but he wasn't a bad. He was a good receiver. Like we would have now, you couldn't have been a year early with Galda because of that contract. But you could be with Waller, but I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm willing to take that risk. The counter argument is this is a different regime, different coaching staff, and this, and this one traded for him versus Kenny Galladay. They, they, they had to deal with him, but he legit, Galladay did legitimately look worse well, though. Yeah, Galladay got much worse from that year to the next. Um, where that's whatever that's you know that hip surgery that he had. You know, at the end of the day, um, it's, it's going to be on the Giants to evaluate and. If they do make a move to cut him, then it's like, all right, well, then they they clearly evaluated that this guy doesn't have it, you know, or or, or he's going or it's going to fall off. And if they make that decision, uh, I'll be okay with it. You know, they're in the building, they watch him every day, they watch him work, and I don't I don't think it's his work ethic, and I don't think it's his, his you know, his anything like that. I think it, it'll simply be a business decision, and it, and if they truly believe it then it's one I'll get behind. But I would like him to stay here. Yeah, me too. All right, next question. Next question is coming from Jesse Semino. Is it just me or did the overall game plan against the Saints really make you think that it's time for a big change? Like maybe going from reading this nonsense to reading an ad. And oh boy. Yeah, I do want to read an ad. And I do want to make a big change. And that big change is including factor more into my life. Factor has changed my life. It is one of our favorite partners that we work with. I order my Factor pre-ready main meals. Like, for example, I'm going to hang up from this podcast. Had a long day today. Long day. All I have to do is poke some holes in a plastic container and put my dinner in the microwave. And I put it on a plate. And, man, it's like mama's home cooking. And I love it. And it's also healthy foods. It's also healthy food, too. I have a lot of protein, have a lot of meat with some vegetables on the side, too. And the vegetables were even good. I don't even skip it. And I'm not lying. Skip the meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, and cleaning up. And get Factors fresh, never frozen meals delivered to your door. They're ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat up and enjoy. And I love it. 35 chef-crafted meals every week. Woo-wee! Head to factormeals.com slash giants50. And use code GIANTS50 to get 50% off. That's code GIANTS50 at factormeals.com slash GIANTS50 to get 50% off. You'll be glad you did. And I want you to trust me when I say you'll be glad you did. I'm reading a Ryan Dunleavy article right now. Sure. So Sean Stiletto has been replaced as DeVito's marketing representative. Oh. And they got pictures of like Tommy DeVito holding the owner's baby. Nice. Um. This is and not only holding the baby, but they're like holding the hand up where it's like doing the pinch, sure, uh, which is great. The baby's doing that. Let's see, yeah. Well, they're they're forcing the baby to do that. The baby's <laughs> not doing it on his own. No, uh, <laughs> I know. Prerogative. 
Can you imagine if the baby's doing it on its own? Um, understands just so yeah. This Italian. It was really it was really important to me. Devito told the post there was a lot going on going at the time, and a lot of people doing different things as part of my team. Some things slipped through the cracks, and as soon as I was made aware of it, which was Monday when it hit my house, my, hit my phone. That's when I was like, we need to go in there, meet him face to face, set things right, eat the awesome pizza, and have fun. As he waited for DeVito, Congilio said he wanted to believe in the DeVito that he had been portrayed and would break it would break my heart if this wasn't the case. He said he, he felt sorry for the bad press that DeVito Did Don Levy write it like that? Result. Yeah. Well, that's he, the he, quote. He wrote break my heart. You got to go you got to go into this pizza place. Well, I, I just re- I read breaking my heart cuz you know, you're breaking my heart, Fredo. Oh, okay. I thought I thought Don Levy actually wrote it like that. Maybe we we gotta get them to sponsor the podcast. We're, 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 we were talking uh, about that place in Wayne where he went. We need to have a pizza like pizza people like there needs to be a pizza there needs to be an official pizza place of Talking Giants. Should I try and get my local one? They're really good away where I live. Oh, it's very good. Uh, people can know what city and area you live as long as they don't know your actual address. I like I live true. in Melbourne, Florida. The O'Galley oh. area. Come and find me. You ain't finding shit. Uh, oh, well, Bobby, you send out Patreon stickers. Yeah, I have an old office address that I use for that, motherfuckers. All right, next question. You've been looking for a reason to fight someone recently, so go and fight Bobby Skinner. I've been in a great mood lately. I don't know what you're talking about. No, nah, you you know, it's not even it's not even an aggression thing. It's just you, you want to fight. It's been a minute. Giants future at future underscore Giants. You think I'm li- you you may think I'm lying. I'm not. And you know I'm telling the truth. Does the Giants tight end situation have a correlation with wins and losses? When they had a non-blocking tight end in Ingram from 2017 to 2021, they never won. In 2022, they had Bellinger and would make the playoffs. In 2023, they have Waller and start slow, then win three straight when he was hurt and lose when he comes back. Well, Liam, when you put it that way. So I, I don't want to go as far as Liam, but I do want to talk about the whole blocking tight end situation. Like here, so we just did a lot of praising of Darren Waller's play. They left the twenty-plus yard third down conversion on the field because of Waller blocking in the passing game. Like that second drive of the game, I think it was a, either the first or second drive of the game. There, there was a big play to be had on that wave concept that we talked about. I put it on the film review uh, to Slayton. And Waller just totally whiffs on this on this pass. Well, can I tell you totally something that gives me Ajita? Can I tell you something that gives me Ajita? Fuck this O line because Darren Waller should not on a third down. And this has been multiple times this year, and I've said it on like post game pods. I can't stand that after all the hype that we had this summer about Darren Waller and all the off season hype that it's uh, it's it's key third downs in a football game, and Darren Waller is being asked to be a pass blocker. What the fuck? I agree. But, hey, you, you still have to work around him in the run game regardless. Um, and I really don't like not having a blocker unless he's a huge – like, that's funny. I, I think we had this conversation on the podcast because we were – you know what? It was – I remember. I remember it so clearly. It was when JetBlue, never going to sponsor us, scumbags, no, screwed never. us in Daytona. And we talked through my mock draft, and I think I put Payne Durham in here. And we were talking about blocking tight ends. Uh, or maybe someone, so maybe someone in the chat asked us about like uh, rece- some receiving tight end in the last draft, and I talked about like, hey, I really need a prerequisite of a blocker as a tight end, unless you're you are like a top five threat. 
And then lo and behold, Darren Waller comes. And I'm excited about Darren Waller, and the last question proves that. But it does hurt the run game, right? It does hurt the pass blocking game. And like you have to work around the run game, which 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 does suck. It does make it harder for your offense, even though he does add more good uh, than bad. Um, right? Like I know everyone everyone loves Evan Ingram right now. Like I still like the idea that Evan Ingram is worth the contract he got to me is nuts. I don't care how many receiving yards he got this year. Like I wouldn't know. I would never come close to paying him that money uh, because of the blocking. Uh, but here's the p- part of the piss. There, there was no plan for Darren Waller to go injured. And, you know, it's funny how little things in training camp, like, oh, you're overreacting to the, you know, the third string tight end shit. I'm like, no, like we, we need to have a second blocking tight end on this roster. And right now we're using Mark Lewinsky as that. That's so damn stupid to me. Uh, it just gives away that you're running the ball. It allows those guys to flow heavy and shit. And I'm going to say this too. Get a fullback. Like the idea that we just don't have a fullback on this roster and like go get a fullback, make him a core special teamer. Go like the best offenses, the best offensive minds in the NFL. Guess what they fucking prioritize? Fullbacks. Right? The 49ers prioritize a fullback. The Miami Dolphins prioritize a fullback. Patrick Go Ricard get a fullback is, is, or at least. Patrick Ricard's one of the biggest weapons in the NFL right now because he can line yeah, up the Ravens, a ton of places. Full, yeah. Go prioritize getting a fullback or getting a third tight end H-back type, right? Like you can live with Chris Myrick, the Chris Myrick types who cannot be stopped. So, uh, and it does have a lot of, like, I think. You know, we talked about the run game. I think not having a second tight end that can block has a big correlation, right? It's like guys just, hey, spill to the opposite side of the tight end. Because when they're moving him, that's what they're that's when they're running their gap runs and stuff. So uh and you you kind of know which side those are gonna go to. So go get a freaking blocking tight end. How are they treating uh Lawrence Cager all summer, Bobby? As a Darren Waller uh replacement. Was uh Lawrence Cager uh did he slot right in for Darren Waller after he went down and the Giants were able to operate the same offense? Nope. Have we barely said Lawrence Cage's name this year? Even when Darren Waller was out? Yep. Barely said his name, right? So that was He did have a touchdown though. That was poor play. From which quarterback? Um It was Jones, right? Nope, Tommy DeVito in the Cowboys getting oh. his first start. I knew it was a garbage time one. That was yeah, poor planning. One hundred percent. Yep, absolutely. Another thing, now, they did another have thing Sweeney that people... and Myrie can camp, and they both got hurt, or one was a medical uh, yeah. uh, thing. But you could have went and gotten the idea that you couldn't end. go up. Absolutely, and and they still they should they should still that should happen today. Like the the season's not over. That still should be happening. Another thing but that people reason, bitched and moaned they... about us that we were wrong, and that we should stop talking about. All right, next question. <laughs> I won't. I think be most like people that. agreed with us on that one. Oh yeah. Oh, you'd be surprised. Yeah. Joe at Dumb Liners. Speaking of dummies, uh, Joe asks, why can't we have nice things? Because you guys don't take care of your things, and I'm not going to try and pay. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to replace, you know, the stuff you guys break for free. But here's where you're lucky. Today's episode is sponsored by Shady Rays, and they'll take care of you. It's the season for giving people Shady Rays. Get the perfect gift for a special someone, yourself, or both. I, you know, I, I, I get it for yourself, but also get it for your friends too or your family. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered with premium polarized shades and quick swap snow goggles that won't break the bank. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers an unrivaled product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. 
durable frames and world-class optics for all outdoor adventures and if you're into winter sports their quick swap snow lenses move effortlessly between full sun to low light environments that's not all Shady Rays offers the most insane protection on all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses backed by lost and broken replacements. So this is why I've lived my life. Like, I can't have nice things. I can't have nice sunglasses. Not with Shady Rays. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after your purchase. Exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is giving out a very great deal for the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code GIANTS for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades that uh, shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. That's almost as many people that listen to Talking Giants. Five stars, promo code GIANTS for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. You will be glad you did. Next question. Gary Cunningham left a comment on the uh, O-line report. Uh, we can't run because the O-line sucks. They shoot horses, don't they? Just implying that what five is- human beings are a bunch of horses that we can shoot. Isn't that crazy? Fuck that's a crazy Gary. That's a crazy comment. And and here's the thing about YouTubers. Like, you can't comment mean things back to them or they will flag you. They shoot horses, don't they? Oh my God, Gary! I'm a. F- ah, you said I'm looking for someone to fight. I want to fight Gary Cunningham. Oh I hope you're God. listening to this p- part of the podcast, Gary. You want to shoot Andrew Thomas? Rude, disrespectful. Red at VQ versus the world. Hmm. Interesting. Do you guys think the bad weather during the plane ride affected how the Giants performed in New Orleans? Did you see Doug Analytics tweet about a? Uh, Paul Schwartz asking like to different players like how what was the was was it bumpy was like was just asking very pointed questions about the plane ride home and I, I for the life of me cannot figure out what the story was right like people got mad at, at Ryan Dunleavy for asking if if uh like Dable eats any of like Tommy DeVito's cutlets or whatever and he said, like, hey, I got to ask that for my editor. There's a food writer who's writing a story on the food portion, and they would like to get a quote on the head coach if maybe he does. I get that. But I cannot for the life of me figure out what the story or headline is about the Giants' flight home. There had to be. Maybe having some turbulence. I'm begging. I am begging, hoping that that is what he had to do. Yeah, like, Paul Schwartz, like, there has to be some type of editor for something they're writing at the post about that. Because if not, it's the dumbest question I've heard in five years of doing talking giants. If not, that makes me immediately feel better about even what we do. Like, Oh, like we're, we're doing, we're doing something like very legitimate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That'd be funny. Like, yeah, sorry we're not up to your standards asking about fucking plane rides, yeah. how bumpy they are. Yeah. It's like, funny like to the ask gi- to- The Giants have the audacity to view us as, oh, these wild card fans never know what they're going to do. We're not asking, how was the plane ride to two different players and asking follow-up questions from it? Yeah, so like it, w- it wasn't bumpy at all. Like, babe, like, please say it was bumpy for my editor. Please. 
Um, I, I, and hey, and I, if, and if I this need is to for, figure out what this story was. We have to figure it out. Because I'm, I'm about to go read every Paul Swartz article for the last week to figure out if there's any reference to the well, bumpy no, ride. Maybe if it's for, maybe it's for somebody else that needed it, another writer or something. I don't know. I'm gonna look up. Even New if it York is, man, like I would post. I kind of would be turbulence. like, no, like let me do my job. Like, do you know how insane this is going to sound? Ben Bredesen had the best face on throughout the whole thing. In person, yeah. In person, ben Bredesen ben, never smiles at all. In person, ben he Bredesen looks like right he's now. aged a lot since I, I remember the first Ben Bredesen press conference after he was traded. I think he's lost hair since then, so he's always wearing a hat. Yeah. And he just looks like a, just a much unhappier person than when he first originally got here. I don't blame him. Yeah, I don't blame him either. Yeah, I can't find any post story on. Planes. Like we got to figure that out. Like it's gonna bother me if we don't know what that was about. That helped me internally, like self-justify even myself, even myself being in him, that I might, room. I might give him the Tony Award for it. <laughs> like great questions about those planes, Paul. And our our votes for the Tony Award mean a lot more this year than last year. Uh, are we 50% of the vote? Like you and I and then Danny. Me, you, and Danny are 25% each, and the listeners are 25%. Okay. Danny's the wild card here. Where is he going to go? Oh, yeah. We have no idea what Danny's going to vote. Like, I, I still have, have not decided my ballot at all, by I've, the way. I've decided. Do I need to think of a top three or just a top one? Yeah, top three. Okay. All right. Then I have. I am undecided on two and three. I know who I'm going for one. We're we're too yeah. Don't say it. Don't spoil. It. We're too, well. That's just not spoiling it because I don't. I have not decided at all. The listeners, I probably won't go with that. And Danny again is to total. Like Danny might not even know who that is, for all we know. Uh. So, uh, that's an episode. We'll be back Friday with the Eagles preview. How about that? Um. The fantasy draft for Boston Scott's gonna be interesting. Where does Boston Scott go? I made a good uh, move, and I picked him way earlier than he should have last year. Yeah, that is true. All right, we will uh, we will see you guys on Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.